Hello, hello. We all feel the rain, right, on the holiday. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Ah, you just stay in today. Thank you all for making the effort to come out. And for those of us who, for those who are joining us by uh, podcast, hope you're having an awesome time with uh, your moms on Mother's Day. We know that there are many who are away, either traveling or off to see their moms. So uh, we're grateful that uh, you're having that family time. We are continuing on with the Positive Deviance series, and this week is going to be pretty short and sweet and to the point because we're dealing with yes. So you all kind of look at me like, okay. So the, you know, the, so the question is, what does yes mean? Let me, ask, let, me, let me start by asking you this. Why do we like guarantees? Guarantees are safe. Why do we like guarantees and warranties? Like guarantees and warranties, especially because I got to put the warranties in there, especially for guys, because you know that's we don't always think of the guarantees. Sometimes you know it's like we, we're willing to buy something just because it looks cool. We're not always concerned about how long it lasts until it breaks, uh, and then we want to know that there's a warranty. But anyways, back. So you said safety, guarantees, and warranties. Why else do we like them? Comfort, safety, comfort. What else? We know what to expect. What else? Don't have to worry. Have to worry. What else? Let me, let me put it this way. The higher the risk on something, the more we look for that guarantee, right? Now, let me turn that over one time. Remember the phrase, your word is your... Bond, yeah, so I'm, yeah, not too many people picked up on that one, but that's a phrase that used to, when I was a kid growing up, your, your word is your bond. What does that mean? Somebody, somebody give me a brief definition. What does it mean? Your word is your bond. So your word is like a contract. In other words, if you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it, Right? Do you know, this problem of people saying one thing and doing another has been around a very, very long time. I would wager to say it's probably been around as long as humanity. <laughs> just, just putting that out there. Way back in the day, if you go back and you read the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 30, God specifically had to deal with this in regards to people. And there's a section in there, and I'm not going to expand all of it, but if you go all the way back to Numbers 30 and just read that section, it says... If you make a promise or an oath or, or you take a vow to the Lord, you are responsible to keep that vow, okay? And, and so you sort of get this idea that as God was working with humanity, there came a point where it was like, well, I, I said I would, but, um, you know, then my nephew called and, you know, Susie called and Frank called and God, I'm sorry, I just got busy. You know, my mule fell in a pit. My cow fell in George's pit uh, last week. But I mean, you get this idea that God had to deal with this with humanity. And he said, look, if you make a promise to the Lord, keep that promise. Parents, don't we do this with kids? Like when, 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 you, when it's really important like, don't say you're going to do something, especially if it's to somebody really important. Don't say you're going to do something and then not do it. 
But you know the problem with humanity is we hear, we hear like the good reinforcement. The good reinforcement is if you're going to make a promise, especially to somebody important, you better follow through because that could have a really high consequence. If you're going to make a promise to God, you really should follow through with your promise to God. But we're just so weird as human beings. We, we really are because we'll hear that and then we sort of turn that inside out. And that's what began to happen by the time we come to Jesus' day. By the time Jesus is on the scene, and we talked about this before in the series, you know, that, that the Pharisees were sort of the ones that set the tone, and the Pharisees were the heroes. They were the ones that always kept the rules, and they created more and more rules to try and keep people on the straight and narrow, and it just became really crazy how those rules were. And Jesus began to unpack sort of his pro tips. His top five is what we're looking at, but his pro tips to say, yeah, you know, you've heard this said, as far as how to keep the rules, but I tell you, it's much easier or it's much simpler to just do this. And we're going to look at that this week. Turn over to Matthew 5. We're going to look at that in regards to promises, oaths. That's not a word we use very often, oaths. It's hard to say, oaths. oaths. I feel like I'm about to say Odin, you know, just oaths, oaths. <laughs> promises, vows. Couple short verses. This is what Jesus says, verse 33. Again, you've heard it said to the people long ago, and he's quoting Numbers chapter 30 Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, and he's not talking about cussing, he's talking about making a promise. Uh, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, for it's the, his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair on your head white or black. Some of us can testify to that, right? Uh, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now just let that sink in for a minute. That, that seems like a really broad statement from Jesus, doesn't it? You know, anything, anything more or anything less than yes and no comes from the evil one. But we like our qualifiers, don't we? We really like our qualifiers. Let, let, let me put it to you this way. I'm going to share with you an early mistake that I made in ministry. We had a couple that came to the Catalyst when we were out in Ohio. And uh, they were having some marriage troubles. We didn't really necessarily know what was going on in their situation. They were brand new. We'd just gotten introduced to them. They asked if we could talk to us after service. So we did. We went down and sat down, and sat down with them in the office and they shared some of what was going on, and then he said to me, you know, there's just some more things going on in my life that I, I'd love the chance to talk with you, and, uh, you know, just have a chance to get to know you a little bit better and everything, and I was like, yeah, that sounds great, you know, let's, let's do it. So I said yes, and there was no discussion of time frame. Now, wives, you know, if you say to your husband, will you take out the trash, if you don't say when, when does it happen? Whenever he gets around to it, right? Yeah, so so there's, there's, some, there's some natural stuff happening here for me, but there was no discussion of time frame. So he leaves with one expectation, I leave with another. My expectation was there's some flexibility here. We were having, you know, we, were, we had new parents, we had young kids, there was, you know, we were starting a ministry. I mean, there was all kinds of things going on in, our, in the cycle of our calendar that week and the next two weeks that was just insane. 
And about two and a half weeks later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to call that guy. So I grab the phone. I pick it up. He doesn't answer. And one of my leaders comes to me later and says, how come you never called so-and-so? I was like, well, I, I just did this week, and there was no answer. And he said, yeah, he's not answering you on purpose. And I said, okay, so you've obviously had a conversation with this person. Like, what's going on? And I come to find out that without telling me he was in a very broken place and a very unsettled place, and without the discussion of a time frame, like, there was no sense of it has to happen this week. You know, I really want to talk to you this week. It was more of a, hey, I'd like to get to know you better, that kind of thing. I left with that expectation that, hey, you know, whenever we get a chance. But the problem I had was I said yes. And I got busy. So it was, a, it was a very costly mistake for me early on in ministry because that family basically said, we're not coming back. Now, fortunately, the people that they, they had a relationship with, they understood. They knew me. They knew what was going on. And it was just, you know, it was one of those things where broken expectations. But for me as a leader, man, that was in my head for a while. It's like anytime I said, you know, I'll give you a call. <laughs> it was like I, I either said, I will give you a call this week, you know, and then I like put it on my calendar, like I will call them Tuesday, you know, write it in there. Because yeah, I was still writing back then. I didn't have a phone that I put my calendar in. Um, but, or I said, hey, this week, you know, I just tell them up front. This week, next week's really crazy for me. Can we, can we contact in like two weeks? Yeah, great. But, you know, I was 27. I, what did I know? I mean, that was, it was really early for me in my leadership journey. Um, but that was so costly. And I wasn't able to, 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 to satisfy that yes. What if there was liability connected to that? What if there was danger, crisis? I mean, certainly emotionally for, for him, there was. You know, there was, there was hurt, there was wounding that I wasn't aware of. Um, what if I somehow needed a legal out? You know, that I said yes, but, it, but now I was sort of like contractually obligated to something. It doesn't take long until we as human beings start to take the simplicity of, hey, this is really important, you should follow through, and turn that around and say, yeah, but I also need to protect myself. Do you notice when I asked, why do we look for guarantees and warranties? What were the first words came out of our mouths? Safety, comfort, security. See, we don't, enter, we don't enter into a yes or a promise without an understanding that there's some safeguard for us, that there's some to make sure that we have you know, all of our ducks in a row too and that if we mess up, somebody can't come back and be like, hey. And this is what started to happen with the simplicity of what God tried to call out in Numbers chapter 30 to the people and saying, you should fulfill your oaths. It began to become something where people say, well, I said yes, but I didn't promise God. See how you kind of split the hair? Or they started saying, just to kind of help people think that they were serious, they started saying, I promise, I promise by all of, of heaven above, I will come and clean out your sheep pen. And you go, okay, you could have just said yes, but... Fine. Um, I'm going to expect now that God's going to hold you to it because you said, I promise by all of heaven above. You know, okay, whatever. The problem 
that happens when we start making these kinds of promises for dramatic effect or to try and make people know that we're serious, what's, what's the other side of that sword? If I have to come to you and, and give you some sort of inflated language and I have to give you some sort of promise that appeals to heaven and earth that I'm going to show up, what's the other thing happening in the back of your mind? Will I make it important? Will I have time? Well, how about, why do you have to make such a big promise? Like, do you have a habit of not keeping your promises? Should I be concerned about this? Because if you're going to say, I promise by heaven and earth, you know, so you're, you're certifying your promise. So does that mean that when you don't do that, I shouldn't trust you? I shouldn't believe you? This is what Jesus begins to pull out. And it's the very first thing that we need to look at. That whenever, whenever we say yes or no, our integrity, our integrity is displayed by our follow-through. It's not displayed by how well we make the promise. Okay? And this is, this is sort of what was happening by the time Jesus comes along, that, that people were getting really good at crafting their promises, both from a self-protection point as well as from a a cultural standpoint, as well as from a religious standpoint, so that if they were on the hook to fulfill it because they said to God, I'm God, I'm going to do this, or if they said to somebody, hey, by heaven or earth, but the, the problem is when you, when, you, when you make that promise, you're invoking God's name or his authority or his creation as a guarantee on you. But let me ask you, is God on your speed dial? Do you have a little red phone that every time you pick it up, not only is God on the other end, but like he does exactly what you want him to the minute you call? Are you able to take the mountains over here or the clouds over there and make them be where you are to be on a particular day? You begin to see the problem with that kind of a promise. We're using elements of things or creation, or power, or, or presence, or identity that belong to God. I mean, using those to certify our promise, and it sounds important, but we really have no authority over those things. We have no guarantee. You know, God's, God's not on a string for me. I can't, if I could make God do what I want him to do, he would not be God. I would be God. What a scary thing that would be. My wife will tell you. And the, the, what's worse about it is it doesn't really guarantee our promise, right? It doesn't really guarantee us keeping our promise. It just makes it look like God's going to make us keep our promise. But it doesn't really guarantee it. It has the appearance of assurance and gives assurance, but it's falsifying authority in order to commit fraud. It's really what it does. It may not commit fraud, but it gives you actually a loophole and an opening where you could commit fraud. You've now promised to do something, and you don't do it. Do you follow me so far? And, and so this is, this is what Jesus saw happening with this whole process where people are making these grand promises, and, you know, and then they're looking for the loopholes, all to protect themselves, when in reality the rule was very simply put in place to begin with to say, if you make it, Tell God you're going to do something, do 
Do it. Do it. Using the kind of a promise is like guaranteeing our promises by saying there is sky and the sun will come up tomorrow. Because there's sky, there'll be a sun tomorrow. There's correlation, you know, sun and sky sort of go together, but there's no guarantee that just because there's a sky, the sun is going to come up tomorrow. Right? Or vice versa, just because there's a sun, that there'll be a sky there tomorrow. This is why Paul says it's pride, and why Jesus says it's pride, to make grand promises because they're not based on truth or fact or authority. They're really not. They're not based on, on truth because they're not really dealing with the truth of the issues. They're not based on fact or authority because we have no authority over the things that we appeal to. And the fact is, we're trying to preserve space for ourselves to what if we mess up? What if we don't follow through? So we come right back to our follow-through demonstrates our integrity. And I already said, you know, when we make those grand promises, it sort of raises the question, why do I need to convince you that I'm sincere? Why do I need to add words to my promise in order to convince you that I'm sincere? What is it about the way I behave on a regular basis that says I shouldn't be trusted? Because I want you to believe me even though I don't really intend or I may not follow through. I'm hedging my bets. This is why it's so important to go to yes and no, because when we do that, it checks our pride and our apathy. If I'm not making grand promises and I'm not doing all this stuff to try and convince you that what I'm saying or what I've promised I'm going to follow through on, it, it starts checking my pride and my apathy. Because it checks my pride in the sense that Boy, don't I look official if I'm appealing to God and God is, you know, God's backing me up on my promises. Or that I'm so important my promise, so I will make a loophole promise so that I can kind of get away with whatever I want to. Or my apathy in the sense that I really don't care about you and I really don't care about what you asked me to do, so I'll sort of make a promise to get you off my back, but the minute you're out of range and out of direct influence, I have no obligation to follow through. If you say yes and you mean yes, if you say no and you mean no, it checks pride and apathy. But that's really hard for us, isn't it? Because it adds a layer of relational dynamic we're not comfortable with. I mean, how many times do you say no to somebody and expect that it's not going to cost you something? And this was, a, this was an early, early, early lesson I learned alongside of my, my failed lesson. Was that every time you say yes to somebody, you, you have an obligation relationally, right? And it could forge a dynamic of connection in that relationship that grows and, and becomes healthier and it's good. But you have an obligation. You've made a commitment. You have a responsibility with and to that person. When you say no, whenever you say no, it doesn't matter what it is, even if it's husband to wife, no, I don't want to take out the trash right now. What does that do to your relationship? There's friction, because now she wants to know why. 
Why can't you do Is Xbox really that important? I'm sorry, guys. I, I, that was a cheap shot at all, uh, at all men in the room. I'm so sorry. It is Mother's Day after all. We have to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll placate a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, the, the minute you say no to anybody for any reason, th- there is risk of relationship. And I actually had a pastor a long time ago. He was a wise pastor I interned under. And uh, he, uh, he, said, he said that to me just as a quip. It was like a one-off that we, we were discussing some action that the ministry needed to take. And I said, well, um, if, if, the, if the church is not able to do it, and if, the, if this is not something that you have either the resources or the time or the people, why, why can't we just explain to them and, and say, you know, no, we can't do it right now? And he just looked at me and he's like, well, yes, that's true, but every time you say no to somebody, it risks relationship. And I looked at him and I went, huh? Because at 25 at that point, I just didn't connect. It's just like, no is no, you know, and, and later you know, I'll call you Tuesday, you know, it's just. And that began to kind of sit there with me and I was like, ah. Oh. And I began to realize that at some point, we all, we all begin to recognize that, that when we say no, it has an impact. And then we start to try and do damage control before we say no. We try to find the, the soft letdown, right? The gentle letdown. Well, you know, I'd really like to. I'd love to help you out, but you see how we get there really quick. And most of us know that intuitively because we've, we've had enough situations where we've said no and so we get pushed back and it doesn't go well. So we try to soften it. But we don't often hit that head on and say, no, I, I really need to say no. So if this relationship is going to have integrity, I need to have the freedom to say no. And you need to have the freedom to say, okay, I'll call you Tuesday. Because otherwise, we don't really have a good relationship, right? So this sort of cuts both ways to the promise maker and the one who receives the promise. Or the, let's go to answers. So whether it's the answer giver or the answer receiver, yes and no mean a lot. But the, the responsibility falls to both of us at that point. It checks both of our pride and our apathy because when we say yes or no and we're the receiver, now it's checking my pride and my apathy because my pride would say, well, you dirty, rotten, no good. I helped you when you needed help moving on such and such a date. Why can't you help me, right? And our apathy would say, well, if that's the way you're going to be, I'm done with you. Those are decisions we have to make. And if we're really honest with ourselves and we ask ourselves the question, is it worth a relationship just because we're being honest? You see how Jesus, Jesus has this way of being so simple and so clear and yet putting, in this, putting us in this place where there's no wiggle room. Like, like he, when he saw what the rules on top of rules on top of rules was happening from the Pharisees trying to nail this down and get everybody, you know, to the point where everybody could just figure out, like, this is what you do in every single situation. Jesus was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's take away all of these layers. Let's take away all of this enabling that's going on because what we're doing is we're actually creating all sorts of other loopholes. 
And let's deal, let's deal with the simplicity of yes and no. And let's also deal with the simplicity of the fact that we all have responsibility for how we give and receive those answers. Does it make sense? Moms, when you have children, when you say yes to having children, there's way more to that yes than you know at the time, right? Initially, that yes is, oh, I just love him so much, and I want to have kids, you know, or hey, you know what, we've planned, you know, some women are very strategic, hey, we've planned this, we've, you know, we're financially stable, we do this, we do this, we do this, we do this, and we're ready, okay, let's have children, and we go into it, we go, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> the drippy noses and the dirty diapers and the mom, and dad's going, I can't handle it. They're too loud. Give them to me when they're five, and I can actually do something with them. <laughs> now, some guys are really good. I have to, I have to give some, some men some credit. I know it's Mother's Day, but I have to give some, some dads some credit, too. I mean, there's some guys who are really good at the whole cuddle thing. Like, they can just sit for hours. And I, I don't know. Those are the same people that probably have cats. <laughs> but... Uh, I digress. Um, but there's, there's this, you know, for moms, I mean, there's this, there's this more than what you've signed up for and the pressure and the stress and, and everything else. But there's something that comes very quickly. And it's something that as mothers I've watched happen over and over and over. And I see this in dads too, but moms, I think, own it first. I, I, there's no science behind this, okay? So I'm not going to give you a statistic. This is just anecdote on my part. Um, and so in that sense, it's kind of a, a fallacy of a, appeal to an authority who's not an authority, so that's fraud, so that's not a yes and that's not a no, but anyways, going on. Um, what I've observed, thank you for the mental caveat with me, um, what I've observed is when moms start to get into this and they start to go, wow, I signed up for a cuddly thing, you know, and then, you know, I signed up for the highlight reel of what I've seen with other people. Like where there's the snapshot with the baby, oh, cute, yeah. There's the snapshot with the toddler, oh, he's walking, yay, walking. Oh, talking, yay, talking. And then like teenage years, we sort of want to have amnesia, but we, then we say, oh, driving, oh, we, we found something, yeah, driving, I don't have to drive him everywhere anymore now, I'm worried about the insurance. Um, but. <laughs> We look for the snapshots and the highlight reels, but we don't often take into account the fact that the child, even from the very beginning, is dependent upon our yes and our no for every single moment. Yes to what we eat while we're carrying them. That their cell structure, their, their, their neurological structure, everything about them is being developed by the yeses and the noes that we say while we're carrying them. And then the yeses and the noes that we make while we're caring for them. Do we breastfeed? Do we not breastfeed? Do we, you know, do we, do we, do we swaddle them? Do we put them on their belly? Do we put them on their back? Do we have a little bit extra playtime? Do we get black and white toys that have the high contrast and stimulate the brain? Do we put on uh, the, the, the classical music? And, I mean, you go through all this 
you start realizing the yeses and the noes, and, 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 and for ladies, I mean, I know the, the, the female brain is amazing to me because you can connect things that in a man's brain have no relationship within the same universe, and somehow, somehow there's, a, yeah, somebody said preach. <laughs> That's awesome. But, 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 you know, then all of it starts to connect and you start to go, oh, oh, and if I do this and then this and, the, and, 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 and you need your husbands around to say, okay, take a break. And that's the perfect, guys, just a little advice uh, for those who are new to having children. This is the perfect time to step in and say, I'll take the baby. And just hold the baby for a while. Go pretend it's a cat, you know, whatever. But, you know, just... Uh, Hold the baby because at that moment, she needs to walk away and sort it out. She's got a ball of wire spaghetti in there that all these things are, responsibilities are crashing together. But anyways, all that to say, when, when you have this knowledge dawn on you that every yes and every no that you say starts to impact the development of your child, it's scary. The hard part is, some of us don't realize that until they are a teenager standing in front of us saying back to us the very yeses and noes that we did while they were growing up. And it suddenly dawns on us, I did that. Yes, they're their own person. Yes, they're making their own choices. Yes, they chose which part of my example to follow. But I didn't always be yes. I didn't always let my no be no. My integrity was not always showing. My selfishness was. My pride was. My apathy was. And guess what? They were watching. And they learned that right along with everything else. It's terrifying for moms and dads. And so moms, you know, I'm sorry to, you know, turn Mother's Day into a horror show by reminding you of that. But the flip side of that is, the flip side of that is, every place that you said yes and you meant yes, every place that you said no and you meant no, even when they said they hated you for saying no, they didn't miss it. And those are the places where you can bank on the fact that you didn't need to make an appeal to God, you didn't need to make a big oath about it, just yes was yes because this is good. No was no because this is not good. And I wanna just give you a little peek around scripture in that. God honors that. God will build on that. So no matter where you've gone in your parenting journey, no matter where your kids have gone with your parenting journey, where your yes was yes and your no was no. God will build on that. And we do have promise elsewhere in scripture that his word will not return void. So even if that was just a seed planted in them somewhere along the way, he'll grow it. He'll grow it. But what else does this apply to? If my yes means yes and my no means no, what else does it apply to? My ownership, my accountability, that becomes more simple. I become more accountable. I become more aware of the fact that my decisions impact others. 
Uh, I, I'm more accountable to my failures because if I said yes and I mess up, if I said no and it cost me something, I, I'm directly involved in that. Same for the receiver of the promise. And I've hinted at this, I've gone around it and around it, but the simple yes and no way of living is fertile ground for something that's very important to us. Trust. The simple yes, no way of living is fertile ground for trust. When I commit to follow through, my pride and my apathy are in check, my excuses, my, di my distractions, my desires, they're all in check, then my yes and my no, they demonstrate the answers that others can rely on, right? That builds trust, that deepens relationship, it opens opportunities for greater responsibility or greater accomplishments with those around me, it opens the door to better marriages, better families, better understanding for one another, better job opportunities. I mean, those of you who've been managers and you work with people, and those, you know those ones whose yes is yes and no is no. You know they're going to get it done. I just ran into a colleague this week that he happened to start to work for UPS when I was working there part-time, and they didn't make very clear one of the responsibilities that they had for him as a new employee. And they confronted him on it several months after he had started when they needed him to work on Saturdays, and he couldn't because he also had ministry obligations through the weekend. And so management started putting pressure on him. We need you to do this. We need you to do this on Saturdays. And he, he showed up the one day, handed in his, his, his identification and everything, and said, I can't. And they said, wait, 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 don't leave. You're a great employee. We don't want to lose you. He's like, no, 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 I can't. If that's part of the agreement then I, I have to leave because my integrity demands it. I this week and I was like, dude, I have told that story. And he goes, really? He goes, like, I barely remember that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but that was so powerful to see your, your yes be yes and your no be no. And when you realize that something you said yes follow through with, you said, I, I, I need, I, for the sake of integrity, I need to give up this. This is going to hurt my family. It's going to hurt a lot. But I, for my sake of my integrity, I need to do this. It deepens trust. And God opened up all kinds of doors of opportunities for him after that. Let me give you one final place to look at this. The majority of relationships do not fail because of one issue. The majority of relationships do not fail because of one simple incident. I know sometimes something really tragic can happen. Uh, I know that, you know, but it's rarely over one incident. And it doesn't matter if it's marriage, family, friendship, the relationships don't typically fail over one incident. They fail because something more than yes or no gets incorporated into the mix over and over and over and over again. Go back to the trash example. When are you going to take out the trash? Or can you take out the trash? Yes. <laughs> when? <laughs> you know? and, and, and because there's not a willingness to work that out, there's not a willingness on the part of the husband to say, wait a minute, I recognize my wife, had, when she asked that, that means now. And so now I have to be mature enough to say, when do you want it done by? And a wife has to be able to say, I recognize that when I say that and he says, yes, I've got buy-in, now I need to ask another question. 
Can you do it now? No? Okay, so now I've got a yes and a no. Now I need to ask one more question, right? When? And so it's this process of working it out. When that doesn't happen, those layer on top of layer on top of layer on top of layer, they become stones that people hold. And what do you know? What's the other expression? Nobody picks up a stone without the intent to throw it. Once you start storing stones because you haven't worked it through, it's only a matter of time until somebody looks at the pile and goes, well, I guess it's time. The vows made in a wedding to have, to hold, to love, to cherish in sickness and health, rich, poor, forsaking all others till death parts us. We say, I do, or yes. We don't wake up one day and decide, well, I didn't really mean it. Because as you stand there in front of God and everybody, yes means yes. Blame, excuses, all kinds of reasons and desires and distractions work their way in over time. But as Jesus said, the minute we start to look at it with anything other than a yes and a no, now our pride is in the mix. Now our apathy is in the mix. The stones we've kept, the places where we're worn and we're tired, the places where we're frustrated, that all comes to the foreground. And we stop thinking about our integrity. We stop thinking about trust. We start thinking about self-protection. We start looking for the guarantee and the warranty, right? We start looking for that 800 number that came with our spouse. <laughs> Hello, 1-800-WIVES-ARUS? Yeah, um... Yeah, I, I, I get that it was mail order. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Gosh, I should have said husbands. Ah. There's no such thing, right? There's no, there, you can't trade them in. Same with your kids. You know, 100 babies are us. Ha, that's a real one. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not working. Yeah. Crying all night. Colicky. Yeah, yeah. You got another model? No? I, I got a, I got a you know, W072. Do you have a W073? No. No. What's your trade-in policy? <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a used baby department? <laughs> no. See, we laugh because we know it's not true, and yet sometimes we live that way in our relationships. Whenever we don't just let yes be yes and no be no, We start looking for the out. I don't know about you, but whenever Jesus does this, and this is one of the reasons why when Gilbert and I were talking about this series, I just loved it so much because whenever Jesus does this, it really just, it nails all of us. There is, there is no wiggle room for any of us to kind of walk out of here and go, oh man, you know, what a mess up Nate is, you know, look at what he did early in ministry, like, I would never do that, you know, and all of us are confronted with that and we go, yeah, yes, no, imagine, amazing concept. So, what do you take from here? I want to challenge you this week, okay? Just this week, for every decision you make, okay, and everything that's asked of you, 
you have your language, you have the things that you do, you have when somebody says, hey, can you do, and you go, well, you know, as soon as you hit the well, it's, it, you know, as soon as that comes into your mind, well, and you're thinking about what's the, well, I'm going to stop it. I know you're hearing Bob the tomato and I knock it off. <laughs> JT's laughing because he says every time I preach, he hears Bob the tomato. Um, and I have to be wearing red, so thank you very much. It's, I'm really self-conscious with you sitting there snickering. But every time somebody asks something of you, you say, well, and you're, you're tempted to go to that, and you're thinking, like, how do I position this? I want you to just stop yourself. Come down to a yes or a no. You already know the answer. You already know whether you want to or not, but I'm saying work through that. But then come to a yes or no. And I want you to try this week, every single thing that's asked of you, every decision that, that, you're, that you have to make on your own and that's asked of you, come down to a yes or a no. And if it's somebody you're worried about the relationship because you have all those layers built up with them, it's okay to put a little caveat on that and say, you know what, I recognize in the way that I typically respond to you, it's not always been a yes or a no. I would like our relationship to change. That might freak some people out, it's okay. You say, I would like our relationship to change. I'm just gonna try and answer with a yes or no, and I'm hoping that you'll work with me on this because no doesn't mean I don't value you. Yes doesn't mean that I'm gonna be perfect and succeed, but I'm gonna try. Can we just do yes and no? See where it goes. May open a whole new dialogue in that relationship too. Just try it. That's the challenge, real simple. Told you it was easy this week. All right, let's pray. Father, First and foremost, just forgive us because we are crafty people. We are creative people, especially when it comes to self-protection. We look for all kinds of ways to get the guarantee from others and to avoid the guarantee from ourselves, to try and get out of responsibility in whatever direction we have to. So God, first and foremost, please forgive us. Help us to be responsible and to own what we own. And out of that, God, as we interact with one another, as we make decisions for ourselves, as we make decisions as parents, for, as moms make decisions for their children, as, as fathers make decisions for their children, that, Lord, our yeses and our noes would not only be wired into what is good and right and true, keeping our pride and our apathy in check, but our yeses and our noes would literally mean yes and no. Because God, we want to see among us and among the community of people that we interact with on a weekly and a daily basis, the trust level to go through the roof. We want to be able to have relationships where trust is so deep and so strong that we have the freedom to say to each other, yes and no. And there's no presumption, there's no assumption, there's no guilt, there's no fear, there's no doubt. It's simply yes or no, and we still value each other the same made. Lord, we can't do that on our own. We need your help. And so, Lord, with your strength, with your power, with your ability, I ask in Jesus' name, help us to be exactly who you've called us to be, a people who can say yes and no, love and trust each other with respect, and take responsibility with and for each other and for ourselves. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.